Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Weird One Podcast. This space, it's a collection of talks ranging anywhere from sermons from our ministry, creative thoughts, breakout sessions at things like Weird One Conference, as well as some inside scoops on leadership. We hope it helps you. If you want to keep up to date with everything Weird One, you can go to weareoneyouth.com or follow us on social at WAO Youth. We hope you're blessed. It's the final part, the final message of this series, time. Have you enjoyed this series, time? Has it helped you? It's helped me a little bit. And uh, I'm going to start kind of from last week. I'm going to hopefully kind of fit it all together and we'll end it here together. But I'm going to start where I stopped last week. Let me just give you a quick summary of last week and we'll get right into it. A life full of the power and authority of Jesus is a life that is in time with Jesus. Uh, Many times we feel like we're waiting on God's timing and we're waiting on God to move, but the reality is God is always on time. The question is, are we in time? If you are here last week, I used this little doodad here, and uh, it's a metronome, so let me... Set it somewhere in this ballpark. So the purpose of a metronome, it's actually in their ears when we're being worship every week and we're playing together. It's, we call it a click, and it's keeping us all in time together. Last week was all about prayer. It's a big picture. I think it's a bigger picture than just prayer. I think prayer is a way to stay in time with God. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we stay in time with God. I think through being generous and giving, we stay in time with God. I think through serving, we stay in time with God. I think by surrounding ourselves around the right people, having the right relationships, we stay in time with God. You understand? What this is called, though, uh, what a metronome produces is this, this time clock. And what this does is track BPM is what it's called. So when Haps is on the drums every week, he's giving us for each song a specific and a different BPM. You know what BPM stands for? Beats per minute. If last week was ours, I wonder where we're going to finish this week. This was hard. I wanted to talk about seconds, and I wanted to talk about months, and I'm like, man, what if I leave out milliseconds? They're going to be like, well, what about nanoseconds? Like, we got to stop somewhere, y'all. We're going to end right here with minutes, beats per minute. What's that like? That's like 130? I don't know if I should. We'll see if you know it. If you're lost and you look and you will find me. What is it? Time after time. And if you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. What is it? Time after. Okay, that's, a, that's enough. That's a, what about like one? One twenty-six. It's like pop tempo right there. Whoa, oh, 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 it's always a good time. Whoa, oh, 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 it's 
always a good. Okay, we done. That's not, not, not. Uh, what else we got? God is good every time you sing. All the time, God is good to the end of time. It's always a good time to praise you. God is, come on, sing it. feels good, doesn't it? Worship helps us stay in time as well. There's something about you might have dragged in, your day might have looked a certain way, but then you get here and you just start worshiping who Jesus is. You start declaring the simplicity that he's good. He's always been good. He always will be good. When? Every time, all the time, to the end of time. And then there's something about then when we're all in time too. Just right now when you're all singing. This is the BPM. These are the beats per minute. Now, minutes aren't in the Bible anywhere. There's a couple translations that have tried to bring it to us, but if you look at the original translation of the Bible, you're not going to find it because they didn't use minutes during Bible times. Minutes actually weren't, I guess, defined and created for us to use until the medieval times. So I want us to look at minutes in a very specific way, although I will connect it to the text. I want us to look at it from this perspective. I believe that minutes are useful for more than just marking time. What do I mean by this? Let's, let's end this week here where we started. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'll read all eight verses. There is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. There is a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent. And this year, our church is declaring that it's a time to speak. There's a time to love. I know this sounds confusing, but time to hate. Go back to part one if you want that defined. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Isn't it interesting that at the time of birth and of death, what do they do? They check the clock and they always say the hour and the minute that someone was born and someone died. And although when a baby's born, we say they're this long and they're this heavy and they were born at this time and this is their name, the bottom line is the minute that marks that time is so much less important than we recognize. If you've had a child or you have even experienced a death, you'll recognize that this idea of minutes is wrapped in this simple thought. And the end, truly, minutes are moments. Minutes happen so fast. 
a single minute, 60 seconds, it seems like there's not much that could exist or much that could be done in that time. But you are creating moments even in this minute that I speak. The Holy Spirit's creating a moment in your heart. It's defining you. It's marking you. It's rearranging you. It's identifying you. See, because you all at one point received an identity, but at some point we go off track. So the Holy Spirit is coming and re-identifying who you have always been and were originally created to be. Man, it's our moments. So Holy Spirit, we just make it simple tonight as you speak to us one more time on this subject of time. And I even just ask beyond this sermon, would you keep speaking to them about this? Whether it's the recaps that we introduce or, uh, Lord, it's... Maybe just through them re-watching them or open up the Bible and being like, oh, I never saw that before. Look at that increment of time. Whatever it is, keep speaking. But in this last time that we have, would you speak to us about the minutes of our life that truly are beautiful moments that heaven is crafting for our good? God, because you are good every time, all the time. You have been and you will be to the end of time. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. If you love them, everybody says amen. Come on, give them one more shout. Amen. Amen. Why don't you, uh, one last time in this series, give somebody some, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, knuckles, pound, my house, it's a pound. They say give knucks, and people are like, wait, what? Give like old school, give somebody a pound right now. If you want to like blow it up, you can, that's, I don't know, some people do it, some people don't. And then they do like that. I don't know who's indoctrinating my children, but they're teaching me all these, like, handshakes and things. And, hey, Dad, come here. You come in like this, Dad. Zion, my, my youngest Zion there days. You, Dad, you come in like this. And then we pound and we go, Psh. I'm like, who, the, who are you hanging out with? I didn't teach you that. But we're going to go at this one more time. And I'm excited for it. We use minutes all the time. We really do, though. I don't think we realize how often we refer to this increment of minutes. I've been learning every week how much every increment of time, how much we use in our daily language. But minutes, uh, maybe the older generations, they would have talked about it in terms of miles. But when we talk about where we live, we usually don't say, I live this many miles away. We usually go, I live 25 minutes away. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I live like 20 miles away. I think the older generations might do that, but we say, yeah, I live like uh, 25 minutes away. Or for me, we just got, I got sent an air fryer, uh, life-changing, by the way, never had one. I would just like to give God glory for it. And she made me this lunch this afternoon. I go, you, you made all this? She's like, well, I, you know, yeah, I just kind of put it on there and put it in the air fryer. I was like, best investment of my life. I've been asking you to do this. I like sautéed onions, okay? Hate me for it. I, I can eat a regular onion. I don't like it as much. I like it sautéed, but Sid's like, I got to cut it all up, and I got to grill it, and I got to... Now we put it in the air fryer. <laughs> Lord, you're good every time. All the, okay, and uh, I, I'll always ask her, it never fails, Sid, how long do I put this, this, that, whatever it is, in the air fryer? <laughs> the response every time, five minutes. I don't know why I keep asking, but if one time it's only supposed to be three minutes, I, uh, I brought back some really good uh, pizza and completely ruined it uh, because I did not ask how long. Five minutes is all I need, uh, five, five minutes. I ran a 
six-minute mile. Anybody in the room ever done a six-minute mile? One, two, three. Oh, nice. Congrats. Don't like you. Uh, no, I'm playing. That's amazing. I ran a six-minute mile, or my kids are always like, can we get a snack, or can we go outside, or can I get a drink of water, or can I do this? It's always in a few minutes. That few minutes for us translates to in a couple hours, but we always say in a few minutes <laughs> just to kind of keep them there with us a little bit. Are we close? Yep, a few minutes away. It's actually like five more hours, you know. You call for your pizza, and they usually go, they'll either say 30 minutes to 45 minutes, whatever it is, something like that. But can I tell you, pizza is 30 to 45 minutes. You call Woi Wong, it's 15 every single time. It doesn't matter what you order. It doesn't matter how big the order is. It's 15 of those bad rascals. Back in the day, I know y'all don't get this, but when I first got a phone, first of all, it was super sweet. It was like a, it's like a secret agent or something. You'd hit this button and it'd go, it wasn't, you didn't have to open it with your fingers. You hit a button and it'd go, it'd open up. It was amazing. Uh, my friends, it was, uh, it looked like a brick, so my friends called it the brick. It was like, it was like, th it wasn't thin like this, it was like thick. And back in the day, though, we didn't have unlimited text messages and minutes. You would have to prepay to have X amount of minutes. So somebody calls you you don't want to talk to. Now, listen, I love it now. I got so many telemarketers. I don't know how my number got out there. So many telemarketers call me. I, I apologize if somebody calls me and, and I don't pick it up. If it labels it telemarketer, it ain't getting picked up. Back in the day, something like that called, if it was like, uh, yeah, I'd like to talk to you. I don't, I don't care if it was like about starving this or that or something. That I couldn't risk it because I can't waste my minutes. Like Sid was telling me uh, when, back in the day when she had it, uh, just a number of minutes, her dad would call. Yeah, I love you too, Dad. Dad, I got to go. You're using all my minutes right now. It's like, oh, man, you realize he's probably paying for those min <laughs> minutes. Right? Think about this, though. In one minute. Think about how much can happen in one minute. 250 babies will be born around the world in one minute. UPS will deliver 11,319 packages. Your heart is going to beat 60 to 100 times. This is sad. About two violent crimes will be committed in the United States just in one minute. That's a lot in one day. You'll blink 15 to 20 times. Four earthquakes of magnitude two or greater will occur around the world in this minute that we're discussing this. The world, now this gets a little sickening. The world will consume 11.5 million pounds of food. Look at this. 950,186 pounds of trash will be thrown away in the U.S. of A. In one minute, in the time that we just read all that, in one minute, all that stuff happened. Let's restart the minute. It's all going to happen again. Restart the minute. It's all... In one minute, a lot can happen in one minute. Can I show you what I mean? I need two volunteers. I would like one to be a guy and one to be a girl. And I think right away everyone's like, should I volunteer? I won't embarrass you. You can volunteer. It won't be too bad. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let, Naomi, get up, get up here. This is Naomi. This, she's brand new. I, I, I just met her recently. Hop up, hop up. Hunter, you want to take her on? Okay, get up here. Get up, get up, get up on stage.
Give a hand, give a hand for my boy. Okay, here it is. You're going to need that, and we're going to hand that off. Okay, so hand, the, hand those ping pong balls over. You've heard of a minute-to-win-it game. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Minute-to-win-it. We're going to talk about right here, just through showing up. Uh, stand over here now, and Gunter, like right here. Okay. What they're going to do is they're going to bounce this ball. You're going to catch it. You're going to take the bottom cup, put it on top of that ball. They're going to bounce it again. You're going to catch it. And one minute, whoever has the most wins. It's going to bounce like this. It's going to go in the cup. You're going to take the bottom cup, put it on top. You understand? Okay, so. It's okay. He has hands like ping pong paddles. It's okay. Um, so, you understand? Okay, uh, all the ladies in the house, what do you think? Naomi or what? All the brothers, we think in Hunter or what? Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. Timer begins in three, two, one, go. Come on, gotta give a better bounce than that. You have to only hold the bottom cup. Can only hold the bottom cup. Yes, there you go. Now you're doing it right. Oh. 25 seconds. Oh, man. Hey, I got you. I got you, bro. I didn't got you. Sorry, I tried. 12, 11, 10. Oh, man. Don't let him drop, bro. Five, four, three. Okay, what we got? What we got? Hunter got five. Is that five? Four and one cup. Okay, bonus points and a star for Naomi, but Hunter wins. The guys win. Give a hand. Give him a hand. Good job, y'all. Uh, that's one minute. That, that, that was one minute of our life that we just used watching that. We're never going to get it back, but I feel like in the long run, it's worth it. I feel like we're going to get to heaven and be like, remember that? Uh... Yeah, we probably won't remember it at all, but we're going to pretend like we will. You ever thought about, though, what minute, what moment in history, whether it has happened or has not yet happened, if you had a time machine, you would go to? There's like the, the old movie, Back to the future, how many you would go, you would choose to go to the future? You want to see something in your future? Okay, I was going to say, like nobody, I was like zero, zero, okay, just small. So everybody else, you want to go to the past? Lift your hand, like you're saying, wow, I did not, I, me too, like for, for real though, I would go back in the future and I would find a, a moment in biblical history that has defined the story of our faith. Like the things that we read about to be able to be there. Or I would be like, I'd be like, God, I don't know how to get there exactly. But I know there, there's details. They didn't capture every single, write down every single thing that happened. The book of John says that if they wrote down every single miracle that Jesus performed, there'd be not enough books that could planet Earth could hold to fill all of them. 
So I'd be like, Lord, take me back to one of those that I don't, I've never got to read about. I don't know what it'd be, but I don't know. Maybe let me just, I would for sure go back to a time in the book of Acts, for sure. I'd do that for sure. Now we are risking our lives. We might not make it back alive being there, but I'd do that. Or to see the resurrection of Jesus, I don't know if I could handle seeing the death, uh, but to see the resurrection, um, maybe something like Moses getting the Ten Commandments, that'd be like really legit. There's this moment in the book of Joshua where it'd be kind of cool to see. I've actually never even preached on it before in all of my years of ministry. And it's really interesting connecting to time because the minutes truly mattered. The reason that the minutes mattered so much was because they're in the midst of this battle. And this battle is about to be decided based upon the sun. Now, if any of us, any of us have looked at a beautiful sunset, you would recognize that it might be kind of going down throughout the day, but it reaches this certain point when it gets on the horizon that it only just takes minutes. Like in a moment, the sun is completely gone. This is the moment of what's transpiring here. And what I want to do is kind of time travel into the book of Joshua. Book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. That's called the Pentateuch. The sixth book in the Old Testament is the book of Joshua. The reason that this is so important, this book, is because it was so identifying for the people of God, which were the Israelites or the Hebrews or however you'd call them, the Jews. They have different names, but they were the tribe of Israel. And they have this new leader, Joshua. So I want to go to Joshua chapter 10, and we're going to lean into this idea of the sun, the minutes, the moments, the need for this sun. It's about to disappear. What's happening? Let's break it down. I have to give you a little backstory on this, but let's read the first verse at least. Joshua chapter 10, verse 1. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and destroyed it, totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king and the people of Gibeon, had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. Now let me catch you up to speed quick here. Moses was the leader of the Israelites. Moses is dead. Literally, Joshua 1 starts off saying, Moses is dead. That's literally, it's like that harsh. Moses is dead. Don't sit around. Don't waste your time only missing him. Recognize he's not coming back, but I've appointed a new leader that's going to lead you well. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that went to go look at this place called the Promised Land. He was one, him and Caleb, of only two that believed they could take it. The reason that for so long the Israelites under Moses' command couldn't enter the Promised Land because there was so much bickering and moaning and complaining and whining that it wasn't possible. Well, now Joshua, only one of the two that believed it was, is now leading them to show it is possible. Their mission is to get the Promised Land. How are they going to have to do it? They're about to shed a lot of blood. It is going to be the war of wars. It's going to be battle of battles each day that they're going to go because there was so many wicked people that had occupied these places. They were anti-Israel. They were anti-God. They were attacking in ways. They were living in ways that they shouldn't. And nobody wanted Israel to exist. Isn't it interesting that since the dawn of time, Israel has been hated? 
that even now we can see this in our world that Israel is still hated. It's been since this time. But God had given a mission. Joshua, now this new leader, lead them into the promised land. So what they were going to have to do is conquer city by city, one at a time, to get there. So what we just read in, in Joshua chapter 10, even just one verse to break it down. This, this king, Adonai Zedek, he is the king of Jerusalem, which is interesting, right? Because you go now go to the New Testament, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. So uh, let me just spoil alert by the time I won't even have to define this much for you because it's not really the thing to focus on. Oh, Israel's about to take Jerusalem. Israel's going to take Jerusalem and a whole lot of other cities, and they're going to claim it back for God, and they're going to exist in the promised land, and there was 12 tribes, and they were each can be given a portion, and they were going to be set up, and then eventually, from the tribe of Judah, somebody was going to rise up called Jesus of Nazareth, and he was going to come, die on the cross, resurrect from the dead, and the next month, we're about to celebrate in the month of March that he's King of Kings, he's Lord of Lords, and Good Friday, he died, Easter Sunday, he resurrected, but this is the story. The name Jesus and Joshua are both deeply connected, both of their names. Joshua and Jesus' name, Yeshua, it means the Lord saves. So there was something transpiring in here. It was more than just dominating, controlling, killing, getting a promised land. It was now the saving of the people. And as they went in one at a time, they're taking on these different armies and these different cities. And this king here of Jerusalem, he is freaking out. He's heard the report that everywhere Israel goes, they get a W. Everywhere the people of God step, it's only Ws. And they are winning and getting victories time after time. Time after time. Joshua 6, they come up to what's referred to as the impenetrable walls of Jericho. They don't pull out a weapon. They don't have to beat on the walls. What do they do? They march around the walls as God had commanded them. They shout and they blow the trumpet. And after six days, one time each day, and the seventh day, they go around seven times, do the math, six. People always go seven times. No, it was six days, one time. The seventh day, seven times, 13 times. Ooh, that just hit me. This is our 13th year of ministry. 13 is the promises of God. There's something about when God speaks a promise, sometimes you actually don't even need to fight. You just need to march. You might be scared to march up to that battlefield, scared to march up to that line, but you won't even actually have to fight. You just have to be faithful to march. God's going to fight for you. They heard this story, Joshua 6. The walls, they shout, and these impenetrable, impossible walls to overcome go down. Then they hear the story in Joshua Eight, this is what they're talking about, right? The city of Ai. They annihilated this entire city of Ai. 12,000 people are killed. It's burned to the ground. I just like to say this, put it on record. It's interesting the city is called Ai because I think the same thing in the year 2024 needs to happen to AI. It needs to be annihilated. It needs to be burnt to the ground. People are going on about, oh, my gosh, it saved me so much work. What a joke. When you can't tell if people are real anymore, when people are making fake images of women and selling them now as pornography, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, when the work of somebody who is a human being has trained and worked and, and become skillful to do a job that now the same thing can be done with AI? 
Some people might say, well, this is saving us time. This is advancing us. Man, I think at the point that you can't begin to tell the difference between a human being and AI, it's a pretty scary day. These are the things that are preparing the coming of the one who came out of that tribe of Judah. These are the things that are preparing the one whose name is closely connected with Joshua, the Lord saves. The Lord will have to come very quickly for us because of things like AI. This city is destroyed. It's annihilated. Not only killed 12,000 people, but every time. I mean, this, I'm just telling you the facts. This is the truth of the Bible here, that they would take then the king and they'd make a mockery of him to make it known there's one king, and it is, it is the Lord our God. They would actually, they would take the king and they'd kill him and then, it, then put him on a pole and impale him and then hang him there so that people could see throughout the day. Whew. Then they'd take the body down, throw it in front of the entrance of the city. This is what they did at AI. And they took rocks and piled it on it. So as everybody went by and saw those rocks, they would know that rubble are you. Rubble is your king. Rubble is anybody that will stand up against the Lord our God. Now, the Old Testament is difficult to preach because everybody's like, oh, Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. You realize that Jesus was around during the OT, right? You realize that there's different accounts in the Old Testament that says that the angel of the Lord came, and it's literally referring to Jesus. So Jesus knew what was happening. Jesus is fully aware of it. If we want to have a, a theological discussion, I'd love to. I don't got time tonight because I got to preach about minutes, and I only got so many left. But this is why they're freaking out. This is why they're scared. Joshua chapter 9, then, the people of, it's called Gibeon, not Gideon, like you read in the book of Judges, the people of Gibeon, they find out that everywhere Israel goes, they are dominating, they are annihilating. So they get smart. Oh, those little suckers. They get smart. They come up to Israel, the leaders do, and they're like, listen, we're from a far away country. We're nowhere near you. We want to make a peace treaty with you. Please save us, protect us, don't let anything happen to us. We just want to be in peace with you. So what Joshua and the leaders did is they made an oath with them, a peace treaty they entered, but an oath before God that we will not let anything happen to you and we will not come against you. Well, Gibeon lied. They weren't from a distant country. They were next-door neighbors. And they were smart little devils because they thought, now we can live nearby and we won't be taken over. So as the promised land is being created, here you have Gibeon. Well, Gibeon's a really important piece to the story because this is where we find ourselves in chapter 10, where this king of Jerusalem, is, he's freaking out about what's happening. But now he realizes, oh, no. Gibeon and Israel are in a treaty together. Gibeon is what was referred to in Scripture as a royal city. They were big time is what it means. They weren't MLA city. They were New York City, okay? They were large, larger than AI, the Bible says. And they had good fighters, the Bible says. But now we got, we got Israel, who are the champs. They have zero losses. They are the victorious ones, but now they're paired up with this enormous city of Gibeon. So what this king does is he comes together with four other kings that made up what was called the Amorites. They were the enemy of God. They were the enemy of the people of Israel. And now with these five kingdoms, they come together and they say, now let's go against Gibeon. 
Now let's take them on. Now let's annihilate them and wipe them off the face of the earth as quick as we can. So the Bible says that they go and they march on Gibeah and they attack them. But as soon as they do, what does Gibeon do? They send word to Joshua and to Israel. And they say, listen, hey, 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 remember oath? You've got to protect us. We're your servants. Remember peace, treaty? Help a brother out right now. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we, we know that we're going to lose. We can't take on this many different kingdoms. We're, we're not going to make it. We big, but we ain't this big. You've got to come help. So this is interesting because this is where we are in Joshua chapter 10. Is when this all goes down, think about this. This is not Israel's fight. This isn't against them. This isn't against their land. But they made an oath. They made a promise. And they had to stick to this. So it says in verse 7, So Joshua marched up from Gagal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. God would say that to Joshua a lot. By the way, if I could just remind you a little bit about uh, Joshua 6 again. Some of you need to hear that word one more time. You might not even actually have to fight like you think you do. You just have to be willing to march. So if I could just put this in somebody's spirit again, do not be afraid. You either believe God is for you or he's not. And, and Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I, I think right here Joshua proves that. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gagal. Let me just stop there. You see this? This is a reference to time, an all-night march. When there's a detail like this, it's setting us up for a miracle that's about to come. It's showing us, look, look at this. They're marching all night. They're tired in their own strength. They can't get a victory. Look at the reference here. You're going to see this later. But it's at night. So I wonder if the miracle might happen possibly during the day. You understand? It's showing us they're marching, they're going. So after an all-night march from Gagal, Joshua took them by surprise. They attack. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. This is what he'd do many times. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Okay, it seems to be done, but catch this. There's a difference between saving the city and completely defeating the enemy. What it's saying is Gibeon was going to be safe, but that doesn't mean that other nations will be safe or Israel will be safe because until you completely take out the enemy, I need you to know this. We cannot right now take out the devil. The Lord has allowed him to roam and to attack and to wage war on believers in Jesus. But there is a day coming. There is a day coming that he will 100% be annihilated. The Bible says thrown into the lake of fire, and he will not have any possibility anymore to mess with us. There's a day coming. But until that day, we have to endure temptation. We have to endure trials. We have to endure the battleground that is our faith called Christianity. This is where they're at. The city might be safe for now, it says. But the enemy hasn't yet been defeated. We're fighting an enemy of our soul that we have to recognize has not yet been defeated, but will be. Let me continue. Israel pursued them along the road going to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. Now watch this. God's like, hey, I'm getting antsy. Let me join in on the action right here. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord, look at this, 
The Lord's like, let me in. Put me in the game. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died. <laughs> you see what it looks like when God fights? They're out there just like, they're like going crazy out there. They fight. They didn't have that yet, okay? And they fight with everything they got. And with everything they got, look at the Lord hail, uh, hurls large hailstones on them, and more of them died from the hail than those that were killed by the sword. Look at all this striving. Look at all this work we're doing. Look at everything. And at times, God does ask us to fight in certain ways. But look at all of this from man. You know, I could do that. Crescent kick. I got more where that came from. You looking? I got more. Show you after. All this striving, all this work, and what God can do in a minute, what God can do in a moment, is greater than everything we're putting in. Now, when, when this says hail, this is supernatural hail. To give you a reference point here, in Revelation chapter 16, it describes hail that comes down as a hundred pound hail. Each one weighs 100. I mean, your car getting hit by this, it does not exist anymore. It is disintegrated. So God shows up to the party. While all this is happening, and here's where we're going in the story, the sun has reached its tippy-top point in the sky, which means if it's reached the top, it now has to come to its descent. Joshua doesn't have a watch. Joshua doesn't have a clock. Joshua really doesn't have a full concept of time, except for the fact that when the sun is in the sky, I got daylight. When the sun's up there, we can still, we good to go. We can fight. That's really all he's got. He's kind of like my kids, to be honest. My kids have no concept of time at all. When I try to explain time to my kids, it doesn't mean anything to them at all. They could care less. Everything for them is before nap and after nap. That's all that they care about in this life. What do I get to do before nap and what do I get to do after nap? My oldest, Zealand, he's five. He gets up the other day and uh, gets up from his nap. He comes to my wife, Sid, and he goes, hey, mama. Is it tomorrow? <laughs> she looks at him and goes, what? <laughs> he says, is today tomorrow? <laughs> Sid responds, she says, uh, today is tomorrow from yesterday. He looks at her. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> today is tomorrow from yesterday. What does that mean? If today is tomorrow from yesterday, it's just today. Can I tell you? You have today. 
No promise with tomorrow, but you do have today. And Joshua knew this. He knew I have right now, I have this minute, this moment, I have today. But the problem is he sees the sun. And he recognizes that what he has to take on in order to defeat this army cannot be accomplished today. That wasn't enough time. According to astronomers, when you look at the sun and it hits that point at the horizon, it only takes two minutes to disappear. Two minutes. It goes from that little bit of sunlight that gives us that, that beautiful pink or red or orange or yellow or whatever you see when it is, and in two minutes it's gone. Two minutes, the sun turns to nightfall. It all disappears. Joshua recognizes that although the sun is up there now, because they would track it by, like, watch, we ain't going to have time. There is no way we're going to be able to defeat this army. But God told me that we could. The Lord gave me a word that's not my notes, and so I want to give it while I'm remembering it. Many times, faith is found in creativity. Because God said that he'd give them the victory, but they needed to bring the creativity to achieve that victory. I think we think that God is going to do just everything for us. You could take that like, all I got to do is march to the battle line and I don't even got to fight. No, I said that sometimes it's like that. I can tell you that if I tried to fight my own strength when I was going through the depth of cancer, yeah, I could have never done it. The Lord had to fight for me. But there are other times that I got to put my hands to the plow and I got to go to work. And can I tell you what I never stopped doing in that whole season? You know what my fight looked like? I never stopped praying. I never stopped worshiping and saying God is good every time. I never stopped preaching. I didn't, I didn't take one week off. I, I, I preached as much as I possibly could to declare that God was good as many times as I could. But the Lord had to fight what was going on inside of my body. You understand the difference? Sometimes there need to be, needs to be some creativity that partners to achieve that victory. Joshua can taste it. We're so close. The Lord said he's going to give us this victory. We can get this victory. But I'm watching right now the sun, and I know I'm running out of time. And this is what he recognized, that if he didn't conquer them today, it wasn't going to happen. Why? It's five different kingdoms that get to go regroup and wage another attack. We need to end this today. Can't you see the fingerprints of God in this moment? They're fighting. People are falling. Large 100-pound hail is dropping. Don't you think God is making it abundantly clear? Today is the day. You got right now. Win this thing. Bring home the W, boys. Let's go. Many times we're like, I give my best, though, God. I'm tired. No, give your best, and you'll know that it's time to be done when you have the victory. Until you got the victory, it's not time to stop yet. Until you've won, it's not time. Here was my thought, very simple. Uh, I preached a message in this series called Game Day, baby. And I gave the final testimony to everybody that I have been what doctors say 100%, not a, any part in my body do I have a tumor or any cancer. How did I know when I had achieved the victory? My body's healed. But can I tell you how I also told the Lord I'd be prepared and I would know? 
if I go home to be with Jesus, I'm also healed, and that's the victory. But I fight with faith until I get the W. We don't give up partway through any battle of life. Listen to me, young person. We don't quit jobs just because they're too hard. We need at times, we need to assess how much money we need to make or we need to assess like the environment or how we're treated or what it does on our soul. Those are, those are, that's different than too hard work. Pastor Dave said I need to rest. No, that's not what I said. I said you work hard for six days, you rest one. That's what I said. Too hard. Cannot do. You give your best, then you let God do the rest. Hey, they didn't know God was going to show up with this amazing miracle of these, like, hailstorm coming in like crazy hot. What did they do? They grabbed their weapons and they went to battle. Even after the hail came down, they stopped and they go, dang, we got a lot of people left to take out. There's a lot. This is five kingdoms at once. What's nice about the Bible is we get to see the payoff. In our lives, we don't. We have to keep fighting to get to that. But the Bible, can I tell you the payoff? They win. I'd like to tell you how. They win. Can I tell you? You know what? The W was crazy in that time. They would take all five of them. The Bible says they put their foot on their head. I don't know if this is they chopped their head off or they broke their neck. or I don't know what they did. I'm not trying to be too gruesome, but this is the Bible. The Bible's rated R. I just need you to know, like, I use VidAngel to watch my movies not the Bible. I'm watching it straight on Netflix. I want it dirty and raw, and I want it Bible. So can I just tell you, welcome to part six of a Time original series from We Are One Tonight. You're getting it raw. Ain't no VidAngel needed for this. If you don't know what VidAngel is, you probably should use it. Go look it up, though. It says they put their foot. It says they kill them, however that happened. And then they took them and they put them up on poles. They impaled them and they hung all five of them, the kings, to make a statement to everybody, our God is the Lord God. There's one king. And then they pulled them down, stuck, and piled the stones all over them. So that's where I'd like to get to. But where is the creativity necessary to achieve the victory? How do we need to lean in with our faith? See, Joshua seized the moment. He took hold of the minute that he had. He recognized what was happening with the sun. He knew he had only so much time. And look what it says in verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. So God's already promised it's going to happen, but he just needs to get a little creative. Look at this. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. In front of everybody, he's saying this right now. Take this in. He's not like, uh, uh, Lord, would you, uh, 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 no. In front of everybody, he goes, sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon over the valley of Ajalon. Okay, stop. I'll, I'll keep going. What is he doing? He is speaking to God with that power to the sun. And he's speaking to the sun, which means he's doing what? It's his only comprehension of time. He's speaking to time. 
He has the creativity in mind with the faith inside of him to speak to time. How many miracles do some of you not receive because you don't have the creativity necessary to see it happen? To, to, to believe and see something impossible happen inside your head. To say, right now, I speak to this tumor in this body. I want to see it on the ground. I want it to just like jelly come out. Why, why is it that Marvel has so much creativity? Why is it that any other series or, or production studio, whatever it is, why do they have so much creativity when the people of God have a creative creator who created creation? Man, this is just, this ain't my notes. This is just end me like, you want to see the victory? You're going to need some creativity. He speaks to the sun. He literally looks up to the sun, and in that he knows, I'm speaking to time. He says, sun, stand still. Now, there's a lot of people that they want to speak to this, and they want to think he's crazy. Look at this in the next verse. It says, you know what happened? So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped. The nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Joshar. Some scientists, they want to argue against this. If you haven't thought this deep yet, this, this will help you understand. They want to speak against it because Joshua spoke to the sun. He yells, sun, stand Still, and they're like, that's so stupid. The sun is already standing still. Uh, is our mind wrapped around this? The sun doesn't move. We all understand this, right? The sun is a fixed point in our galaxy. It does not move. So why would Joshua say, sun, stand still? Because from POV here on earth, we look, and at 721 currently right now, that sunrise begins, and we watch it move, don't we? You've seen time lapses, time lapses of it moving, right? And at 6.12, it sets. But this is, from our point of view, that the sun is moving. The sun doesn't move. It's the earth that's moving, not the sun. So why does Joshua... Say, sun, stand still. Why doesn't he yell up and say, yo, earth, stop spinning. Stop moving. Is he truly this unaware that he doesn't understand time and space? Can we just pull on that string for a second? Let's say he is this unaware. Let's say that he doesn't have this concept of how all of this works and rotation and spin and sun is fixed and all this stuff. Let's go with that for a second because this is, these are arguments that people make, so let's just speak to them for a second. Because here's the problem. This is a miracle. This is a supernatural phenomena. Joshua 10. But you're like, how do I use this in real life? If I tell somebody about this story, they're going to think I am crazy. If I tell somebody that a massive fish swallowed a person whole in the book of Jonah, they're going to think I'm crazy. First of all, go do your research. There's multiple accounts of fish big enough that have actually swallowed human beings and spit them back up, and they've lived, first of all. We ain't talking about Jonah. That's not our story. We're talking about Joshua. 
Let's just take this in for a second. What if he did get it wrong? I think it's so much less important about what we know than who we know. Let's say he did get it wrong. Let's say he was supposed to speak to the earth, not the sun. And Joshua, he didn't know. He didn't know the rotation of the earth. He didn't know how it all worked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he knew. It matters who he knew. Because what he recognized is even in his lack, he serves the God who's in control of all of it that can stop it from spinning. See, in that time, people worshipped the sun. There were sun gods and sun goddesses, and so they would pray to the S-U-N. But Joshua was coming in locked and loaded. He wasn't praying to the S-U-N. He was praying to the S-O-N. And he was speaking in faith to God that where others prayed to the Son, he could with faith speak to the Son. And he could come with this kind of faith and speak and say, you know what? I might not have it all figured out. And this is where some of you need to get. You're so confused. You're so twisted up because there's so many reels and so many TikTok videos and so many YouTube videos that you can watch. And people have so many different opinions. You need to stop worrying about whether or not you know all about what it is. And you need to start believing and wondering, do I really believe in who God is? Do, like, because if I believe in who God is, I can figure out the rest along the way. But if you don't even know who you believe, then why does it even matter what you believe? Is the earth flat or is the earth round? And people can argue about that. Global warming, is it real or not? And people argue about it. How old were the dinosaurs? And people argue. None of these things, the what's, matter if we don't have locked, in, are locked into who we believe. So what Joshua knew was that if he didn't have all the details right, you know what? I know that God not only created the sun and moon, but he controls the sun and moon. He's going to make sure that they do whatever he says they need to do. And here's an encouragement for you. This is what I know about Joshua, that even if he might have said the wrong thing, he said it to the right person. And even if he didn't have all the facts straight, all the knowledge entirely accurate, even if he didn't know how to go about it, like some people want to argue, we're just we're speculating for a second, right? You're like, I, ask, I, may, I hope I pray right. Why does it matter if you pray right? It just matters that you pray to Jesus. Because if you had all the perfect words, but you praying to Buddha, you ain't going to get any results. If you have all these eloquent phrases and these, so these supernatural ways to say things, and you can string together this, this phrase that just sounds so amazing, oh, great God of the universe, and you don't even know who that God of the universe is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it don't matter. Because if you get it twisted, just one off. The God of Abraham, Ishmael, that's what the Muslims believe. You go off just one, you misplace Isaac, you ain't talking to the right God anymore. Which is why we come to Scripture as truth. Because it helps us understand who we're talking to, even if you can't pronounce most of the names in it. Come on. You know how much I prep? to say all the names in the Bible before I come up here? In my, early, in my early days, they had long names to start with an A. I just go, Big A, Big C, my boy Big G. You know, like I was like, and I was like, I, I should probably help some people learn some of the names. 
Ashlon. See, this matters right here. It, it really matters because if you can't recognize in part one that our God is outside of time and that because of that, he can create it. If he was within it, he can't create it. So he's outside of it so he can create it and he can control it. So even if Joshua didn't get it all right, prayed the exact, exact thing, know how to go about it, do you realize that when he prayed 5.9725 billion trillion metric tons of spinning dirt and animals and people and plants and vegetation and water stopped. The earth stopped spinning. And some people be like, well, that, that can't be real because uh, we'd, all, we'd all fall off it. You know that there's even a lot of like uh, a lot of astronomers and stuff that as they have followed the stars and, you know, sky and sun, and all, they're like, hmm. It, it seems like there is a day missing in our calendar. I'm about to show you. So if Joshua got it wrong, God can still get it right. But in the Hebrew, when you translate it, sun, stand, still. Do you know what it breaks down in the Hebrew? Sun, keep shining. That's like my breakdown. This is what it actually, sun, cease acting. That's what it translates. You know what that means? You right now, sun, are acting with a gravitational pull that's making a spin, which means the sun is going to disappear at some point. But if you stop acting, we'll stop spinning, which means you'll stay right where you are. What does it look like for you to have a faith that will stop the sun. To get so creative in the ways that you go about things that you know God promised the victory, but you know you got to bring some creativity. What does it look like for you to speak knowing that God is the God of the impossible? That if he wants to stop the earth spinning, he can, and he'll make sure we stay right on it. What does it look like for you to take a hold of your minutes, take a hold of your moments, and lean in and speak to the sun and say, stop. Stop acting. Stop moving. Stop ceasing. Earth, chill out. Sun, yep, you, good, right there. Stay right there. What does it look like to have that kind of faith? We spend our time praying the most rinky-dink, janky, piddly prayers. Oh, and... Uh, you know, Lord, I hope I just have a good day. What does that even mean? What's a good day? Would you like to not get cancer today? That sounds like a decent day. Would you see, like to see your parents stay together? That seems like a pretty good day. Would you like to see somebody come to know Jesus for the first time and you get the opportunity to lead them? That sounds like a pretty good day. Would you like to lay hands on somebody and see a miracle and see them transform before your very eyes? That seems like a good day. Uh, Lord, I hope I just have a good day today. We are praying the most faithless prayers. 
We're not praying for big things. God's looking for us to have a faith to go, stop. He's looking for us to have a faith that can stop the sun. Why is it we read about these things in the Word of God, but we're not willing to apply them in this day and age? Is he, the scriptures say, that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever or not? Why do we sing songs full of faith? And why do, why, why do we read scriptures full of faith? But we aren't creative enough to even try it out. I need you to catch this. God didn't tell Joshua to pray this. Track with me. Get your mind blown right now. Oh, I'm just waiting for God to give me marching orders. No, just start marching. I'm just waiting for God to tell me exactly what to do. No, just start doing something. Just, as soon as he tells me, he's not always going to tell you, just so you know. I, what I do a lot of times, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm serious. If you don't want me to do it, then make sure I can. But I'm doing I, I'm not joking. I'm doing this. Uh, my thought process with things are so uh, lustless and anti-romance. It, it could make some of you be like, what? You know, I pray before I walk down the aisle because marriage is forever. This is, this is till death right here. I pray, Lord, I'm doing this. Make sure you understand. I'm about to walk down that aisle in front of all these people. I'm going to marry this girl. I'm pretty sure I got it right. I'm like, know that you know. But pastor always says, know that you know that you know. And I think I only got two out of those three that knows that she knows. So God, I'm walking down that aisle. And I believe it's your will. I've seen this confirmed, celebrated, and I see how it's connected to great things. But if it's not what you want then tell me, because I want what you want. You know what people do on their wedding day? I do. And then one year later, they're divorced. Because they don't ever put anything before the Lord. Why? Because I needed a marriage that could stop the sun. I needed a marriage that could raise up young people in this generation to do the impossible. I needed a marriage that believed in youth ministry and young adult ministry and the next generation, the, that person as much as I do. When I tried to one day say, man, am I too old? Can I do this anymore? Do I need to move on? She's going to say, no, we stay in here till death. I needed somebody who loves y'all as much as I do. My dad wanted to leave youth ministry uh, when he was 29 years old. He came and he he started our church when he was 36, 37. That's the next year for me. He wanted to leave at 29 because it seemed like the sexy thing to do or something. Leave and go start a church or something. My mom said, our best days are ahead. You know what I did? I learned from that. I'm 36 years old. I don't even have any plans or thoughts of leaving. I'd like to do this if the Lord would allow me until he comes back. Why? Because there's more victory ahead, and I love the process with PT and the team. We get creative. We're like, how can we win a W for Jesus? How can this conference pop off like never before? How can we see our city reached? How can we see young people changed? How can we see the Holy Spirit move? And so we find every way to get creative. God didn't ask Joshua to pray this prayer. God told Joshua, 
I'll give you the victory. Joshua had the creative faith to pray it. He thought, if God's with me, what kind of harm could it do to stop the sun? What kind of harm could it do? And think, remember, this is a, and uh, uh, Lord, would you just uh, bring peace to all the earth? How about all the peoples? This is in front of all these people. He goes, sun, stand still. You know, you know what happened? It says, verse 13, the sun stopped right where it was in the middle of the sky. And it delayed going down, how long? About a full day. This is the day in history that astronomers are trying to figure out if, if it seems like a day is missing from our calendar historically. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. God is searching for a willing vessel and a man or a woman of God that says, I will pray big prayers. I will believe big things for my future. I will believe for the lost to come to know Jesus. I will believe to be a follower of Jesus to my last breath. God is looking for a generation that will creatively say, stop, that will speak to the sun and say, stay right there. Why? Because I got some fighting to do. I got a victory to get. I got something that is in front of me that God has called me to, and I ain't stopping until I get there. And then too many times, oh man, I feel this calling on my life. We saw it at North Central when we were in, in Bible college. We'd see all of these different, uh, all of these different people that says, I'm called to youth ministry. A year later, they're, they're selling phones at AT&T. Did they hear God wrong? Or did they stop when it got hard? Did they not realize that ministry was going to be much harder than they realized? Did they not realize that it was going to require all of your money, all of your marriage, your children will have to sacrifice? You will, you will have to sacrifice in ways with your time and sleep and people needing you and you don't want them to need you, but you love them and you're called to them. And they just go, you know what? This is harder than I thought. Can I tell you, if it's a God-sized dream, it's a, if it's a God-sized vision, if it's a God-sized plan and purpose for your life, it's going to be harder than you realize. And so God's looking for some people that says, you know what? I'll get a little creative. I'll try something that's never been done. I'll pray big prayers. I'll stop the sun. I'll speak to it right in that moment. I don't care who's watching. I don't care if I look crazy in my, in my living room in front of my family. I don't care if it's in the middle here at church. I'm going to speak with faith that says, son, stop right there. Because I believe that God is not done with the plan that I'm in right now. And listen, until you bring it to completion, he ain't done. I knew I was done when the breath in my lungs went out. I ain't done. I've seen victories and I've gotten W's. Following Jesus is too addicting to stop now. I got some more to get. Some of you need some faith in the room to come to God and stop the sun. This stuff that we're giving Jesus is pitiful. How many times are you going to ask him to forgive you of your sins before you get excited to live past that? 
He died, the Bible says, one death as Adam brought sin into the world. One man did. Jesus, one man, forgave us of that sin. Forgave us. At what point are you going to stop living in this pitiful, miserable life of, oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, Lord, help me get the... Why don't you pick your head up, say, I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God. I am holy. I am set apart. I am full of faith. God does have a plan for my life. At what point are you going to get a little bit riled up in your spirit that stops the sun and says, you know what, right there, God's got a plan. I got a future. Stop! Even some of you right now, how much do I got to yell and get excited before you get excited for Jesus? Do I need to yell the entire message? At what point does something need to come over you that it comes out of you? At what point is it soulful inside of you? Or is it just we've gotten so casual, we sit in church, it's like, oh, good sermon, PD. Wave my hanky. Or at what point is this like, I, I got to freaking run to that altar right now because there's something that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me that I can't sit casually. I can't sit back and watch the show. I can't just pretend like this isn't happening. God has a plan for my life. At what point are you going to believe that? Because I can't believe it for you. Some of you tonight, here's where you're at. You don't just need faith to stop the sun. You need, to, you need faith tonight to call upon the sun. And I'm not talking about S-U-N. I'm talking about S-O-N. He is the son of God. He is the word that became flesh. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the creator and the keeper of time. Don't get it quit, t- quit, uh, twisted here. Loki, they don't keep time in this show. God keeps time. Which means if he's keeping time, he's keeping record of what we do with it as well. And if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's pretty simple. Before you're going to get to the point with faith to stop the sun, you're going to have some faith right now in this moment to believe in the son of God. To believe he died and he rose again. He doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to free you from your sin. Whom the Son, the Bible says, sets free is free indeed. The reality is so many of you are, you're like tangled and caught up in the same old thing, and he wants to free you so you can now operate with what I'm calling tonight some creative faith. So if that's you in the room, and if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, here's your moment. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me across this room, but if you want to put your trust in Jesus... It's time right now to speak to the sun. And I'm not talking about the one that's bright shining in the sky, but I am talking about the one that's bright and shining in the heavens. And he wants to come in this moment and he wants to inhabit you. He wants to show up in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to enter you, direct you, change you, help you in every single way in ways you can't even begin to imagine. He wants to enter your life. But you need to call upon him. So very simply, here's what you do tonight. You confess that you've sinned. You tell him, I have sinned and I've fallen short. I'm not right. If I don't got you, I'm not right. You confess that you've sinned. Number two, you tell him that he's Lord. And number three, you invite him to forgive you of that sin. And in that, you are now set free. You are a new creation. And now, 
you get to stop the sun. So if that's anybody in this room, I want to be able to pray for you here tonight. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to just lift your hand and negate to me. That's me. I want to be prayed for. Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you. Over here. Over here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Over here. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody? Come on. Lots of hands. This is amazing. Praise the Lord. You're saying, tonight's my night. I want to be changed. I want to be different. I, I'm, I'm sick of where I am. I'm stuck. I'm not going forward in the plan that God has for me. Thank you over here. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I don't do this to, uh, to point you out or embarrass you. I do this to celebrate you tonight. And I want to do this because I, I believe very strongly that the Bible says if you will not confess me before man, it's not going to do anything. It works it this way. If you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. What that means is if you're not willing to now confess it before people, it's not going to mean anything. Pay attention. Lift your eyes for one second. Look at me for one second. Pay attention to the story. It says the sun is up in the sky. It's bright daylight when he yells out. This moment... I allowed you to flow in the comfort of the moment a little bit. But what I've recognized, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. If you're fully comfortable, why do you need the Holy Spirit? It's at the point that you get uncomfortable that the comforter comes. So we do this moment in darkness. And it gives us focus. But now what I'm asking, you faith-filled young person right now, that I believe in, that God is changing, that God's doing a work in. In broad daylight, I want you to step out of your seat and join me right here to declare before this amazing group of people that's about to clap their hands and shout and celebrate that Jesus is Lord. One, oh no, he's calling me out and he saw my hand. Can you do it? Two, come on. Yes, you can. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is changing you. I'm already standing here. You ain't by yourself. And all these people about to go buck wild. Three, if that's you, get out of your seat right now. Come stand with me right now and declare Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Come on, if you raised your hand, if that was you, I want you to declare that Jesus is Lord. I know it's a big step. I know it's a faith step. I know it's a creative step. But come on, this is your moment. Come stand right here, right here, right here. Come on, this is your moment. This is your moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, keep clapping. Keep celebrating. People are being changed right now. Come on, brother. Let's go. Get up here. People being changed. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's a hard step. Come on, keep clapping. I know it's a hard step, but this is the step that brings change. This is the faith step. This is the game changer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're not here to make a, a, a spectacle of you. We're here to celebrate you tonight. The Bible says that if just one person calls on the name of Jesus and makes him Lord, that all of the angels in heaven rejoice. So who are we to remain silent when heaven's crying out? So I'm going to pray a prayer with you, and they're going to do it all across the room because we're believing in faith right now that God is changing you, that God is doing a work in you, that whatever your need is, Jesus already knows. You just had to come in faith to him. And this step is a game-changing step right now. 
So across this room, including the ones that have responded, say, Jesus, I admit tonight that I've sinned. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've said things I shouldn't. I've thought things I shouldn't. I've gone places I shouldn't. And say, I could list a bunch more categories, but you already know. So I thank you, Jesus, for loving me when you know all these things about me and you still love me. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead to give me life. And I declare on this night, February 21st, the year 2024, that you are Lord and Savior of my life. And you're changing my heart and my soul and my mind. All that I am, I commit it to you tonight. And I pray this in the only name, the only person, the only God worth praying to. I say this to the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, say his name, Jesus. I pray this to Jesus tonight. Everyone says in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. And give God a shout of praise.